Come, children, put away your toys. Roll up that kite's long line. The day is done for girls and boys. Look, it's almost nine. Come, weary foot and sleepy head. Get up and come along to bed. The children loathe, must yet obey. Up the long stair they creep. Lie down in something sing or say until they fall asleep. To steal through caverns of the night into the morning's golden light. We elder ones sit up more late in tasks unfinished ply. But gently busy watch and wait, dear sister, you and I, to hear the father with soft tread coming to carry us to bed. Bedtime by George MacDonald. Well, faithful listeners and new listeners alike, welcome back to another episode of Bright Hearth. I'm Brian Sauvet, joined as always by my lovely, alert wife here in the Sauvet homestead. Say hi to the people, Lexi. Very alert. Hello. That's right. I promised I wouldn't yawn once during this episode. Oh, now I want to yawn because you said the word. <laughs> um, just so everybody is aware, Lexi's name is spelled with a Y. So I'm sorry to everybody on Facebook that keeps tagging her in Bright Hearth quotes with an I. But I just figured I'd let you know that right up front <laughs> Lexi here. with a Y, Brian Lexi with, with an, an I. I just seems unserious, you know, like L-E-X-I. Just doesn't seem like a person you'd you really want to trust. You know why they did that, right? It's no. because my mom is Amy with a Y, so. Ah, okay. I mm-hmm. see it. I can see it. <laughs> well, dear listeners, welcome back to our bedroom, where once again, after the kids' bedtime, we are recording an episode of Bright Hearth here, and actually, we're recording it fittingly on bedtime. Today, we are in really, actually, this is the final room of the house before we, we have one more episode uh, where we'll be talking about outside more productive property type stuff, homesteading type stuff, gardening animals, that sort of thing. But in this episode, we're going to uh, take a stroll through the final room of the house, which is the children's bedrooms. And we're going to be talking in this episode mainly about um, sort of bedtime routines, sleep training and newborns. We'll talk about how to um, use bedtime even as privilege and as a sign of maturity in some of your kids. We'll talk about mommy and daddy time, productivity after dark, and um, all of Lexi's favorite things, because staying up late and doing hard things after bed is your favorite thing, right? I bet people would be shocked at how little I get done after dinner. <laughs> Probably shocked. Well, it's because you're such an early riser. Lexi <laughs> makes hay before the sun comes up. And then... <laughs> I'm and in then bed wines before down. most of my kids are in bed. Yeah, that, yeah. So, um, but this is an issue where I think really... When, you're, when we're talking about the productive Christian household, we're talking about a household with children in it generally. Obviously, we all, we want children. We've talked about, you know, reasons and situations where you might find yourself without children and for a season or for a time. But, you know, a lot of our listeners have many children or are beginning to have their first little ones and are confronted with this reality. It's kind of one of those where there's no ox and the stable is clean, but by the strength of the ox, the harvest comes in. Well, the second you have little kids, you'll realize that sleep is is actually a skill. <laughs> it turns out that sleep is something that your children have to learn and be trained in, and they can learn bad habits or good habits. They can have reinforced um, really <laughs> things that will set them back for their entire lives, or they can have habits in around the bedtime routine and sleeping through the night that will serve them for the rest of their life. You know, it's really highly controversial that you just said it should be trained. 
Oh, yeah, I but said the word train. to say it, like, we are thinking about this in terms of good habits for a person. I, I do think babies need mom. That's obvious. I have a lot of them. I've been through that season. But I do think as they get older, there are times where you need to start building and teaching them the habit of healthy sleeping routines. Yeah. And it, why don't we start there, actually? Let's start with the littlest years and okay. kind of start where everybody has to start with newborns. Okay. And thinking through sleep training versus not sleep training versus like, I think you know more of the terminology for how people talk about this, like people who hate the term sleep training or mm -hmm. like people that maybe take it really far the other direction. What are some of or the... Or take it really far in yeah, the crying it out direction too. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Take it really far in the direction of like hyper schedule. Yeah, yeah. You know, so what are some of the ditches? What are some of the different views? And uh, let's talk through how we think about those things. Okay, well, I mean, I don't I don't fully know a lot about like the co-sleeping type of Okay, I'll say this from oh, the yeah, get go. I didn't think about we that. have tried everything. That's true. We have tried everything. Um, not because I'm like, oh, I want to be a co-sleeping well, no. parent. All your but kids are different. Because yes, all of our children are different and then mom is really desperate at certain seasons of life you're as well. like why not <laughs> why not let's just give it a shot bring all the babies in here um by the way we sleep on a full bed and we always have <laughs> which is one size up from a twin it's smaller than a queen all of our friends when they find we us have out, zero like, desire to get a bigger bed they're either. like what you sleep on a full yes we do it's like the size of a large <laughs> child's mattress we have done this for over 10 years now and Look, we got so We're many kids. Fine. Obviously, works. I mean, anyway, keep going. Okay, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> we said you said we've tried all the different. Things. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, I guess I think something that was helpful for me. I did read that book. Now I don't know what it's called. Oh my word! Now I can't remember the name of it either. By what? the Ezos. Yeah. The. Uh... Wow, I'm gonna look it up. This is actually really funny that neither of us. It, it's late, guys. It's seven, and I'm not. I'm not a fan. Seven fifty nine. I'm not a that? fan of their other parenting books. Yeah. Um, but I did read the Baby Wise book. That's Baby Wise. Like, uh, okay, so that's what it is. What do you think about Baby Wise? The biggest thing that was so like I had not at all thought about sleep training. We had Ari, and then you were called back to work within like forty eight hours. Oh, man, let me tell you, dear listeners. So what happened is um, at this time in life, I think I was doing full-time school. Yeah, you were. At Bible <clears throat> college and distance program. I was, um, was I a pastor? Yeah, I was a pastor at the church. Yeah. Like executive yeah. pastor, yeah. worship kind of pastor. Mm -hmm. We were still Calvary Chapel. And um, I also... You were at Starbucks. Worked at Starbucks as a as a manager shift not a store manager but like a shift mm -hmm. supervisor type manager and um i opened i did the opening shift quite a bit as the manager so that means that i got up at 3 3 30 was at the store by 4 15 4 30 open by 5 and literally two days after ari was born okay i get a call at 4 31 i'm like where are you like, and they weren't really nice to you about it either. Like, they made it sound like you had lost your job. What do you, you mean? Late? Where am I? I am in bed. We had a child two days ago. People can get their own dang morning milkshake, <laughs> adult morning milkshake. Oh, I will never. I don't like Starbucks anymore. So, because actually, it was you that helped me understand some of the principles that were helpful for us, baby wise. 
the things I took from it were you are the parent from the get go. It was very helpful for me to understand that not that the obviously you guys please do not take this and think that we are tyrants in our home. Obviously, you consider the form of the child, but it was very helpful for me as a first time mom. I didn't have my mom around. She didn't live in state. I had no idea what I was doing. It was just helpful for for somebody to say, hey, you're the parent. You need to start making decisions. Kind of like the conversation today surrounding like medical decisions for your children. But I hadn't even thought about it at all, like at all at all. Yep. So that was helpful for me to see like, okay, I need I am teaching them good and bad habits day one, even before that. The next thing that was helpful for me was just working towards full feedings. Part of that was, yeah, the, here's way too many details for everybody, but my milk supply was crazy. It was a huge surplus. And so such things as cluster feedings were not working for me. No, It was causing a lot of pain. It was not working. So actually implementing and working towards full feedings when the baby is hungry, not just like not that I was saying, okay, one day old newborn, you're not eating once every three hours. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm eating when the baby is hung- is hungry, but I was working towards full feedings instead of like two minute feedings. Mm-hmm. Um, I had worked with a lactation consultant and I had, um, like if with cluster feeding, if you just go a minute or two, you're not actually getting to the fatty hind milk for the baby, which is what they really need. And so Ari was having a lot, a ton of spitting up. And so that's when lactation consultants told me, you need to work towards this quicker than most moms do. So that was helpful for me, full feeds. Mm -hmm. um, And just having a simple rhythm of when it was daytime from the get-go, the windows were open, I was playing music. I mean, I was on my own because you went back to work. Oh yeah, very soon. I didn't go in that morning, by the way. I said... You went in the next day, though. You did go in the next day. Yep. So I, you helped me like think through. These are some time slots to consider. Like I just could not think. I, I was, I mean, anybody who has a first time newborn understands how zombie you feel. I remember just crying all the time, being so tired. And people would say, "Oh, it's okay. Around six weeks, they'll wake up more and sleep better." And I'm like, six weeks? That feels like an eternity from now. now. I'm gonna die." (laughs) And and some of it's just like immaturity. Like you have had no suffering in your life. (laughs) Your plate gets bigger from God putting too much on your plate. Yes, (laughs) and then you grow. You get stronger. So parental authority, full feeds when it's daytime and we're working towards baby being awake more. My main job, I think this is the part that a lot of people are not good at. My main job, if I wanted baby awake, was to play with them, walk them around outside, play music during that time. And when we were working towards sleep, it would be dark. Our kids have always loved heaters. Always. They've always, always, always loved heaters. That helps my newborn baby sleep very well. Um, And then the next thing would be just the daily rhythm. So it wasn't Mm. that I was setting time slots for them to like cry for X amount of time. I was just saying, upon waking, I will give you a full feed and then we're playing together. And then we're going to work towards sleeping on your own without mom. Because baby wise is basically eat, wake, sleep. That's the pattern of baby wise. On three hour, two to three hour at first, but ultimately like three hour sort of cycles. Yes. Of eat, wake, sleep. So you're not feeding the baby for the baby to go to sleep. You feed the baby when the baby wakes up. Yeah. And it's supposed to help the baby learn how to fall asleep on their own and not need like 
rocking, feeding, all of these different things just yeah. in order to go to sleep. So, so there's good elements of it. Yes. Absolutely. Especially for a new, like you said. I just had no structure to my life. I did whatever yeah. I wanted at any we didn't have kids. All, yeah, we just didn't have kids. And yeah, I had and we no worked, idea what We to worked do. hard and we did a lot of things. So yes, like, yes, yes, yes. We were always, we just did the next thing in front of us. But when you have a baby, your first baby, or even different transitions after that, like when you have your first, you know, now you have more than one. Now you have three babies. Like things change. Now you have your first schooling or homeschooling and a baby. There are all these new situations to figure out. Yeah. Because it's not as if you have one kid, you figure that out, and then it never changes. Because it's not the same to take care of one newborn baby as it is a newborn baby and two kids in homeschool. No, it's different. That's a totally different thing. Which, and that's the other thing was that BabyWise helped me realize that the the baby is being um, integrated into a family. The child is not to rule the home. Yeah, so baby-wise, what we like about it is this principle of number one is that from the beginning, you are you're teaching your children or establishing in your household that children need to be trained by us. We don't want to be trained by them. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that we don't learn through parenting, but I mean that we don't put our kids in the driver's seat and like there's there's this really fashionable kind of like baby-led everything where it's like the baby will just discover what they need and you just are there to kind of facilitate. You're not really a teacher, a director, or a trainer. No, you are as a parent. You're you're always training your children towards the ideal of following a Christ, discipling them, teaching them self-control. These aren't virtues that you get just by default Yeah. in fallen humanity, but there are ditches. Yes, there are definite let's ta- ditches. Let's talk about some of the ditches that can come. Okay. Because when, when, it's a good principle, but sometimes you can forget that your kids are people, that they're yeah. all different. Like, I think there's some ditches. So let's let's talk about that. So the... With the sleep training the, and with yeah, the What are super, some errors that okay. you can make? So just being completely inflexible as a yeah. parent, like so tied to a schedule, which it's weird because to me, the schedule has always, I feel like, given us more flexibility in the yes. sense that we know when to push our kids and not to push our kids. And we mm-hmm. know how to plan better because it's not like, hey, you want to hang out? Oh, sorry, I can't. So-and-so just fell asleep at random. And so I have no yeah. idea how long I'm going to be stuck in my house. Like, right. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, if if that works for your family, that's that's fine. That's fine. Yep. As long as you are still leading the child and being an authority. And it is not always. A ch- and you guys know the difference. You know the difference. You yep. know the difference. And, yeah, with one of the related, I think, ditch that we had to work through and kind of figure out earlier in our mar- earlier in our parenting was that there would be times where I remember we would kind of butt heads a little bit because I'd say we need to do this thing as a family, and we were on that schedule, and we had to come to this realization together that it was okay to bend the schedule. Yes. Because the kids exist in the family. The family doesn't exist just for the kids. Yes. So sometimes, like, church is a good example. Yes. We're not going to say, nor should you say, oh, I'm on the three-hour schedule and it just doesn't align with church for the next six months. So mom's mm-hmm. not going to be at church for the next six months. No, yeah. baby comes to church when, I'm not saying two two days old or like a week old, but baby comes to church you made me do that once. I know, we did once. <laughs> Live and learn. <laughs> Baby and mom, they come to church, kids come to church, and we bend our lives around that because what we're doing, what we're teaching our children in that is 
children, there's this higher thing that we all bend to, and it's the living God, his commandments. Uh, yeah, we and, live in, in his world, not the other way around. And it can be hard because it can feel like, I remember that, that was house church. We were trying mm. to figure out house oh, church yeah. with newborn like Ira and potty training Ari, and I was just like, I can't do this. This is too stressful. And I think moms really just need to suck it up. Yeah, I, I said, but we are going to do it. You said we are going to do it. And yeah. then the Lord reminded me of the proverb that faithful are the wounds of a friend. <laughs> and I and we said, figured it out. okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's the yeah. thing is, I don't, I don't, yeah, there's so much more joy to be had. And like the Lord makes up all those little inconveniences that you think the like few hours lack of sleep is going to be a big deal. Oh, and yeah. it's just, it never is. Um, so yeah. And if, I, I don't know, I really, I have a really high view of Sunday mornings and covenant mm -hmm. fellowship yeah. and Sunday school and church worship. And I just think you should get to church as much as you can, even yeah, if it means you should miss there naps on Sunday, 10 minutes early. <clears throat> you should be there prepared to worship because the thing this is, be as you have doable. older kids, this is what I've learned over the probably last three or four years. As you've had older kids, if you're still like tied to a schedule so that the little kid has to get the nap all of the time. Every single time. Your older kids who should now be active participants in the church don't get to because mom won't make the sacrifice. Yep. She says, well, sorry, can't go to Sunday school. Baby's napping. No. What do we do instead? We bring the baby. We wear the baby sometimes. And when I say we, I, I, I really do mean Sundays it's basically Lexi because I'm doing things. Usually I'm teaching or leading liturgy meeting people, talking to people, just the whole thing, the whole pastoral thing. So lack of flexibility is one ditch. The other yeah. ditch, I do think there are ways you can go about, like I said, we have tried co-sleeping with some of our kids. It just mm -hmm. honestly has never worked. Um, I mean, we're on a full bed. Yeah, there's lots of reasons it hasn't worked. Um, I don't have an issue with parents co-sleeping. What yeah. I have an issue with is parents allowing children to create the rhythms instead of the yeah. parent leading in the Correct. rhythms yep you don't you don't want the the children to come along and have their instincts dictate the family rhythm yeah you don't you don't want to say oh i'm i'm into gentle parenting so it's midnight and my child's still bouncing around they just, and i had a conversation they just need with more grace a little more grace and maybe a muffin and some chamomile tea they said they wanted a muffin that's what i'm against <laughs> don't do that guys don't do that because what you're teaching your children is that they're god Yes, correct. See, that's the problem is that you end up, if you don't have systems where you're training your children to fit into the rhythms of a family that have been engineered by mom and dad to so that the family can hit the mission targets that the family exists to hit, like glorifying God, being a productive household, all of those things, well, then you're teaching your children that the family exists actually to serve them. Yeah. And and I know you're probably like, but wait a second, don't you say all the time that the family exists, like the house exists for the people? It does. It exists to facilitate the people being and doing what they're made to be yeah, and do. Yeah, the discipleship of the people. It's the discipleship of the people. Yeah. Not just the meeting of... So don't hear us say, because there's another ditch. Don't hear us say that the house should be a tyrannical place where children respond to various whistles, tones, and <laughs> that... Okay, so I babysat, I did, before, I think I was 15, 16, I babysat for a gal. They always used to joke and say, oh, well, she's a baby-wise mom, that's why. And I never, I was like, what? And then I had my kids and read it, and I was like, that's what she was? Where she had two boys, and their feet were not allowed to hit the ground before seven. 
and they had oh, like oh yeah they had like the turtle clock x or amount of no 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 it was not well maybe maybe they did have yeah a they clock. had the clock know. like the thing where they could see when it was seven but she I just remember she was so hard to babysit for just because she was such a I don't know what the word would be type A yeah type A I guess um that's that's not the type of baby wise that I'm thinking of and. Just so you guys know, like when you start this early with your children, you start working towards little goals, you know, when they're a few weeks old, to be honest, most of our kids have never had a cried out period because their body naturally, their circadian rhythm switches with a lot of the light and with the full bellies and their metabolism starts developing. Um, So I think when people have this view that like you're punishing your child, they're screaming for six hours on end, you're never touching them, you're not picking them up. That is not the case. Mm-mm. I am in there every 15 minutes, pickling, picking them up, snuggling them, kissing them, calming them down, laying them back down. And it takes like a day or two. If that, if they don't naturally do it on their own, with which most of them have, it takes just a few days and they are sleeping very well. All of our children have been sleeping through the night by 10 weeks at the latest. And I mean, Cyril... Cyril did start sleeping through the night at 10 weeks. He stopped sleeping through the night at 10 months when I got pregnant with Winnie. And he's just never been the same since. I don't really know why. But there you go. And all of our kids still sleep great. Yeah, so you can fall into the ditches on both sides of the road. You want to be able to treat your kids like people and understand that they're different. And, um, you know, like read the kid. Yep. If some kid struggles with, with... different things than the other kid you don't you don't get mad and be like but the other kid did the schedule or they fit into it okay here was- no, you love you love and you treat the children as individuals you bend you bend a little bit here and there because you just have to understand that like some kids are super independent really young and they just like okay mom thanks good night yeah i'm gonna go sleep that's true and other kids are like need more affection i, need, I cannot get through a, an eight-hour section without snuggles and then you snuggle them. I was also going to say that I really think when you have good sleep habits, it helps you really pick on when, pick up on when something's wrong. Like yeah. your troubleshooting is um, better. And Ari was diagnosed with asthma around, I think he was 10 months old. And, you know, he had been sleeping great for months and months and months at that point. And then something happens. And I knew something was really wrong because it was abnormal but if your schedule is always abnormal you never know there's no normal yeah what is what's wrong then how do you know if something is severe or not so anyways yeah so let's talk about the troubleshooting you know you're putting your kid down trying to get them on a schedule trying to get them sleeping baby's crying like what are you doing as a mom to walk through we have this normal so we have a baseline to measure against that's probably the first thing Try to get that normal so you can have a baseline. But then what do you, how do you, what, what's your triage? How do you figure out? Like if they're a little bit older, like like well, what do we like, do with Cyril, that kind of stuff? Or well, what do you mean? Just a baby. I mean, is baby's, okay. baby's crying, 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 crying. What are you going through? Because I'm thinking of things like there's so many things you figure out. You're like, oh, this is teething. Yeah. Or, oh, this is upset tummy. Or That's what I was going to say. Is, um, Daphne definitely had, this was the first time I ever had homeopathy work like within minutes for me. It was amazing. Um, they have the the gas pellets. And, and again, that was another situation where you, I think, were out of town. My parents had just moved into their new house and Daphne was a few weeks old. Mm-hmm. And I knew something was wrong because she had been totally fine. 
And then one day she was just screaming for like three hours straight. And I told mm-hmm. my mom, I don't know what to do. She won't stop screaming. So she said, come on over here. And she listened. I remember her get, getting down and she listened to her belly. She said, you can hear it. She has gas. You can mm-hmm. hear the bubbles. So I went over to Good Earth. I grabbed some homeopathy pellets and I gave them to her. And literally within like 120 seconds, she started farting and she was totally fine after that. Mm-hmm. So um, gas, teething, too hot, yeah, too, too hot, cold. Too cold. Our kids are typically too cold. Hungry. Hungry, yes. It's totally mm-hmm. okay to feed them. Yep. You know, even if it's not on schedule. Yep. It's okay to feed them, just work towards full feedings. Um I'm trying to think of what else earaches. Oh yeah, earaches. And you've used the ear looky thingy, right? Or I don't have of, one. I've oh, we don't have Amelia one. Amelia has one, yeah. That's we've right. never had like a ton of earaches. We haven't not had that like, I know of at some least. Some families that just get a ton of earaches and they've yeah. got to like figure out their system for that. Yeah. yeah. So those are kind of the big things mm-hmm. that we're checking. And then again, like some people misunderstand or even get bad advice and they're like, Yep, cry it out. And they're they're like, Yep, let the baby cry for two straight hours. Uh you yeah. know, without no, don't do that. Mm-mm. Babies they do need to learn how to self-soothe, but they don't look like you don't want to teach them learned helplessness. Like you want yeah. to go in, comfort them. I think what I've always done, if I remember correctly, in the newborn days, if after going in there every few minutes doesn't work after a few times of checking on them, I just get them up and I start the cycle again. Yep. Give them another full feed, play with them for a while and put yep. them back down. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, and that's when this, I and I don't know, I think this is part of it too is, when moms can't be home full time from day one, I could. Mm-hmm. When they can't be, they'll just do whatever to get the baby asleep. They're not going, they don't have the ability we, to be dedicated to the baby yeah. all day long. We even knew, I mean, I knew a family, this was years and years ago, that the mom was constantly talking about giving the kid Benadryl or Tylenol all the time to get them to sleep. To get them to sleep. And I was like, even then, I didn't know as nearly as much then i think it was like we had one we had ari and i was just going that seems really bad <laughs> that seems like actually a borderline medically abusive like you probably shouldn't do that hmm. so don't yeah. don't get so, so desperate like if you're getting desperate you need to go get some advice get from, from an older, older lady yeah in the church and 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 they'll help you and you'll probably figure something out but again like you'll know if there's something wrong if you have and i will baseline. say the more kids i have the more and more flexible i have become have with be. this you yeah you have to be i cannot yeah. stay home all day to get my babies to sleep yeah we so. we haven't i can't i had to look it back up i can't even remember the last time i thought about eat wake sleep three hour cycles that kind I, of thing chronicles of a baby wise mom is has a good q a blog it's a blog I, yeah it's a blog it's old because i think i found it when ari was born and oh, okay. it was around for a while then so sleep training in newborns is a good example of a principle that is going to really go through all of your thinking about bedtime routines is that we're training our children. We don't want them to train us. Yes. So we're training the children to fit into this family rhythm that should be engineered in obedience to God to be aiming for this glorious end. So related to that, when we're thinking about just normal bedtimes as kids get older, and as we're starting to implement some different bedtimes, uh, bedtime sort of routines, for us, it's pretty straightforward. Like nothing, nothing really surprising. We're reading. We're doing catechism in the last like dinner time through bedtime. There's yeah, like catechism last hour and a half happening, which is really simple for us. It's like 
I just went through an hour, half ago or whatever with the kids. I ask them some review questions, see if they know them, see if they remember, and then start with the new ones. Read Narnia or whatever book we're reading aloud at that time for a little bit. Sometimes after that, like if we've done our catechism and we've done our reading, then I'll I'll watch a YouTube video or two with the kids of, you know, some it's it's not like ironclad two hours of family worship type thing for us. It's very much like we it is wanna, a lot of reading though. Yeah, we want to do small, consistent I don't mean small in the sense of it's not two minutes of reading. It's you know, a significant amount of reading and a significant amount of catechism time, but it's sustainable. We yes, try to build these to rhythms it. in yeah. so that they're like, it's just normal for our family that we sing before dinner. We pray before dinner. I'm usually trying to teach the family some kind of new song over right now. We're trying to learn the Lord's prayer an ancient setting of the Lord's prayer. It's kind of complicated. So we've been singing it before dinner every night all week and still making very little progress, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get it. So the key that I think you should be aiming for as a parent is, instead of getting falling into the temptation to do like this elaborate two-hour family worship thing every night, if you can sustain it and it works for you, great. I don't want to discourage you. But most of us, it's like do something that hits the boxes that you're making sure that they're singing, praying, Bible, catechism, reading. Those big things are happening through the day. And then you don't feel terrible, you know, to do something fun at bedtime, watch a YouTube video or something. But then when we get to bedtime, it's pretty straightforward. As as our kids get older, our kids are in bed. 7.45, typically, the youngers. And then we start to stretch it with the olders till mm-hmm. 8.15, 8.30, 8.45. 8.45 is about the latest, unless we're out with Psalm Sing or something. Yeah. That even with our, our current ages, that kids stay up. Well, the latest that we know of. I'm pretty sure Ari reads in the bathroom. I'm sure he <laughs> most does. of the night. Yeah, <laughs> which sure I don't. I don't really care because thing, he's cheerful about his lack of sleep. Exactly. If you have, and this is actually a good point, you have to know your kids. Like, yeah, some of them can handle it more if than others. Reading in bed, I'm really not going to make a big deal out of it. No. If it's one in the morning or something, lights on. Yeah, I'm going to go check. But if they're reading in bed and they have a good attitude through the day, yes. no big deal. If they're staying up late trying to read and do different things and they're super crabby, oh, I'm then we come down and it's like, nope, you are asleep, lights are out. Yeah. Because you've been crabby and you need more sleep. So you have to know your kids, keep sustainable bedtime rhythms, and uh, also <laughs> you use this bedtime ritual as a time for you to transmit culture and to teach your kids. Like one of the uh, things that... I can't remember when I started doing this with the boys, but I make them all give me a handshake before bed. And I've just used it as a way to teach them how to literally shake hands like a man, eyes on eyes, firm grip, like that kind of thing. And it's funny because now even the <laughs> two-year-old like won't go to bed without a handshake. If someone came to our house, they'd think we had like a very cordial relationship. Even little Winnie knows how to give a handshake yeah, she now. she gives a handshake. She puts now. her hand right out. Cause her she, she's seen it so many times. So, so bedtime's a great time to transmit family culture. Like when you think about what did your house sound like? What did yeah. it what what stories did you read? My dad, I remember him reading us the Chronicles of Narnia when yeah, I was very too. young. And like what did that those are those are times that you'll cherish. Lots of ice cream. And then however hard bedtime is and however hard the nights are, you have to remember that you're gonna miss it. Your kids are gonna be adults. 
and you're going to you're going to look back on those years and you'll forget about this the sleepness the sleeplessness but you'll remember the little 2-year-old sitting on your knee reading the book doing his catechism and you'll you'll be thankful you'll cherish the memory but you you will also miss it so it's a good reminder i have to remind myself all the time like these years are not forever and they're a gift they're all a gift do you have anything that you'd want to add about the as kids get older we've just used um staying up later as a privilege for those who are learning to read yeah so that it doesn't become a occasionally ira will be coloring or something but so that it doesn't become a well all the littles are in bed we get to you know hang out and party that's never what it's been in our home it's always been no after the babies are in bed everyone is reading and i'm sure that'll change as they get older but i mean yeah not really think about like me and you as teenagers i read we just read i always read as well yeah so that was what i did with the nighttime so and that and that's that's good again like culture is transmitted through reading yeah and in giving your kids good books and helping them get good books so that they actually look forward to it and they want to read. And they're like, oh, I need to stay up and read one more chapter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good thing. You should really uh, enjoy that. So getting getting your kids um, as they're older, part of that privilege. And then it's also we can roll it back. Like if the kid is really having yeah. trouble with attitude or respect, a lot of times one of our more maturing disciplines as is, kids yeah. are moving past just spanking for everything is you've had a fussy, bad attitude all day. You're acting like a four-year-old. You're not acting like a seven-year-old. Yeah. So you're going to go to sleep with the four-year-olds tonight. And they really don't like it. It's a big, big thing for them. So um, when when you're training your children, you're always looking for opportunities to teach them like this kind of judicial maturity where they can judge and make judgments for themselves and they can rule themselves, kings and judges and that kind of thing for themselves. So if you have consequences that actually increasingly in a realistic and real world way um, help them to sow what they have or reap what they have sown, that is what will train them that later in life they're going to also reap what they sow. So if they're if they're immature and disrespectful and lazy, they're not going to reap great rewards as an adult. So bedtime is a way that you can train that. And for us, it's actually a pretty powerful consequence. Yeah. Because no kid wants to go to sleep with the littles once they've been staying <laughs> up till 8.30 <laughs> or later. Um, okay, last segment, unless you had anything on that. Last section here that we wanted to discuss is just simply, you know, we've got kids' bedtimes, and then I think we just wanted to note that one of the things that, that I think is important, especially when the kids are young, there's going to be time when they're teenagers and they're staying up fairly Mm -hmm. like just like normal adults pretty much yeah but this is a time that has to be guarded in these young years for mommy and daddy time and for productivity after dark for us like this is an example of productivity after dark for us Mm -hmm. literally us recording this after bedtime if we had no structure and the kids ruled the roost and they just some days were up till 11 some days were up till nine some days were whatever you really hinder your ability as an adult to actually grow. And I'm not even talking about like things that are obviously productivity. Like this is obviously productivity for us, but so is reading. Yeah. Like the most of the things you've learned. Yeah. 
that you've shared on the show are things you've learned after kid bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. People always ask me, how do you read so much? Morning and night. Yeah. Morning and night. Morning and, and night. now I try to, the more kids I have, the less like sitting time during the day I get, but yeah, little chipping away, even just like half an hour a day really is a lot over a long period of time. And how are you ever going to get any good mommy and daddy time? If you know what I mean? Like if kids are all up in your business, just don't work. Yeah. When are you going to get flirtatious? You ain't. At the dinner table. You do it all the time. I know. I usually do. What does Iris say? He's like, oh. Oh, they say weird things now. It's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. They started like noticing when I'm hitting on Lexi. You're flirting. You're flirting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) You better believe it. Your mama looks nice in that dress cooking that dinner over there. Yeah, so uh, it's important for your your actual adult enrichment, so you don't you don't just feel overwhelmed. Um, like actually getting these ta- time to yourself and time as a married couple, it's a reward of organization. It's a reward of discipline mm-hmm. with your children. And again, the whole house is continually either preaching through discipline we experience joy and fruit or through a lack of discipline we die and we're yeah. ruled by other by emotions and tossed to and fro yeah. your whole house is always preaching one of one of those two things so bedtime is is a, actually a huge battleground where you have to fight for discipline and we like Cyril slept in our room for months when was it i think it was even just in the fall or was it the spring in the springtime he finally started sleeping with the boys mm-hmm. before that he was sleeping in our room for months right now he sleeps outside of our bedroom door um and i'm not saying like we were fine with that we made it work it wasn't like we weren't mad at cyril we weren't mad at each other no. it was fine we were not lacking in any sort of <laughs> um everybody knows what we're talking about so. you just stopped and i, was I like, didn't know what to say wow, is she gonna actually okay, compatibility anyway. department is what came to mind but i was like that didn't make sense no that's actually why i stopped not because i was afraid to say I like you <laughs> <laughs> anyways you can make it work with a child in your room if you have to is what i'm trying to say right you absolutely can you can figure it out gosh people had one room in their house for like last 5,000 years so we're spoiled now you get this like luxurious palace to yourself and uh, you're like a Roy you're like a king and an emperor from days of old like what's your excuse guys have some kids all right so before we wrap it up two things number one uh, make sure that you check out our patreon channel that's um, a way that you can support the show help continue to make it possible and also get access to some great rewards and bonus content. So we do a weekly show called In the Kitchen. It's a little shorter than the main episode, and it's usually just highly practical. We either do Q&A from our patrons there, or we go into the practical elements of the episode uh, or something related to it. So we're going to go through, for example, um, we're going to go through our medicine cabinet. In like, We're going to literally stop recording this main episode and then hit record again and record an In the Kitchen patron-exclusive episode walking through our home medical kit and what we use at home relating to one of the episodes we did a few weeks ago since we had some patron questions about that. So check that out. You get access to the whole back catalog of those In the Kitchen episodes as well as some other resources. 
we also send a free feed the patriarchy mug out with like the i think the second tier and up on patreon there and uh it helps just continue to make this show possible for us to keep devoting the time and resources to make it happen and then the second thing is we're actually we have two more episodes left lord willing in this season so we'll we'll do a homestead type episode next week uh lord willing where we'll talk about gardening and growing things and food and that sort of thing then we'll do sort of a final principles episode here in season one that we'll look back over season one and draw out the main principles that we'd want you to walk away from this season of walking through the rooms of the house and recovering the lost arts of domesticity but that doesn't mean bright hearth is over no we're going to be moving into a new season starting uh, directly after that that will actually be focusing on marriage as the heart of the productive Christian household. So we'll be focusing quite a bit, expanding on some things we've touched on, or skipped a rock across, talking about in this first season, and we'll be going deep on marriage as the heart of the productive Christian household. So link in the description for that Patreon channel and some other things as well. Um, but again, thanks for listening to this episode of Bright Hearth. We're glad that you've joined us here, and uh, we'll see you next time. Good night. <laughs>